everybody, we are here on our 153rd Q&A, the final one for this month. The month is almost over, and we just thank God for all the questions. We are trusting God for the answers, and also we would like to wish little Jimmy Hallelujah. <laughs> happy birthday. Happy birthday. Pastor Eric's daughter turned one today. It's like time has flown. So we just thank God. Before we begin, we will look to the Lord in prayer. Father, once again, we thank you for this time. We thank you for all your children, Lord, who send these questions, Lord. These are serious questions. Many of them who send these questions, O oh Lord, they're young yes, Lord. in the Lord. Mm. A few years old, but they have grown in leaps and bounds. And they're speaking the deep things of God. Mm. And Father, we just thank you for their, for their, Father, we thank you for their desire to know you, Father. We thank you that hunger only you can satisfy. Oh, Father, now give us the wisdom, the discernment to answer, Lord. Help us to be true to your word and to your spirit and your son. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Come at this time into thy hands. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. Yes. So we'll start with a question on healing. Okay. Uh, this is question number five. Five. Uh, question number five. Yes. We pray and declare scriptures for healing on our bodies and, and on our soul and continue to believe and trust God for a miraculous healing, but continue necessary medication. For example, if doctor advises surgery, when the when the symptoms worsen, albeit striving and believing, no surgery is required, etc. How do we respond in such situations, given that we still live in a fallen world and in our perishing mortal bodies, and healing is complete on the other side of eternity, aka transformation to glorious body, but may not be guaranteed here? How do we Deal with a situation where, Pastor, we know that we yes, live in our sir. mortal body and we still trust in our healing. First, the whole, whole, uh, I don't want to use things like words like concept and all with the word of God because the word of God is not a concept, it is a truth. Mm -hmm. It is the truth. So truth in itself is absolute. Sickness is a result of the fall. Before sin came in, there was no sickness. And sickness is also a symptom of the death in the body. The, the Bible says in Romans 8, the body is dead because, because of sin. Yes. Okay? And one of the symptoms of death is that, is sickness. So sickness is there. The difference between Jesus and us is that he was born without sin. Mm -hmm. Born without sin. There's no sin in it. He was born in the likeness of human flesh, but without sin. He was not born in sin or shaped in iniquity, and he never sinned. So his life we look to, but we cannot 100% imitate his life, because unlike him, we were born in sin and shaped in iniquity. But we again go back to the word of God, and we look at the atonement. Mm. So either you have to believe in the complete atonement of or that happened on the cross, so you would have to say atonement was partial. partial. Okay? The atonement was complete. But, unlike him, because his body is a body of sin, 
there will be sickness. There are natural causes, there are demonic causes, all kinds of causes are there. Then everything that we receive from God, the only way we can receive anything from God is by faith. By faith. Okay. It can receive by faith. If you go to Romans chapter 12 and verse 3, okay, the Bible says, I say through the grace given to me to everyone who is among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think soberly as God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. God says, you should know your measure of faith. Because what heals us is not faith. What heals us is the grace that comes through faith. It's called the manifold grace of God. Everything that God does in us is the grace of God. Forgiveness is part of grace, salvation, healing. Everything is the manifold grace of God. But you need to realize we can only receive grace according to our faith. So the simple thing is that if you are sick and your doctor prescribes you medication, take a medication. So always be told, even during fasting, I make it very clear if you have issues, be very careful. You don't have to fast. You don't have to do any of these things. And we are not questioning your faith either. Questioning your faith either. Meaning, you can only do according to the level of your faith. Absolutely. Okay. And Jesus' faith was completely different. It was absolute, total faith in his Father. I don't think it's humanly possible for us to have that kind of faith because he came from the bosom of the Father. Okay, bosom of the Father. So we have to be very balanced about is that if the doctor suggests surgery, it is not just that you have believed. It is just that you have heard to believe. There's a written word of God. And then God speaks. God speaks. So you have a situation and God speaks and God says, you don't have to. You don't have to because you are healed. That's a different thing. But when you have been heard and you are just going by the written word of God, okay, I believe now the simple, there is, there is an issue over here. There is an issue over here. It's a very dangerous place to be in. Because the Bible doesn't say faith comes from the word of God. The Bible says faith comes from hearing. Mm. Faith comes from hearing. And it's a God. Now this is a very personal thing. It's a very, very personal thing. It is between what a person and God. Person and God. And it is also not that God doesn't use medicines for healing. He uses because you see, these, medi- these are all created by God. Okay. What a doctor basically does or a pharmaceutical company basically does is that it, it's basically using components which are part of our system and getting it right. And when the surgery does, if you look at the advancement of medical science, unbelievable advance of medical science, where did that wisdom come from? Where did this knowledge come from? God. The knowledge is coming from God. I mean, they are basically going through how God has, even if it's a person who denies the existence of God, he is working on what God has created, the material and the laws. He's just a fool because he has denied God, but he's also only, you see, no human being can work outside anything that God has created. It's not possible because everything is existing by what he has created and the laws which govern it. 
So he's working within it. Like we always use the case of Hezekiah. When Hezekiah was ill, when he was ill, and God extended, he was, it was a sickness unto death. Okay, and it was a sickness in his body. And when he prays and he's going to be healed and a 15 years is going to be added, <coughs> what is happening over there is that, I mean, God could have healed him in different ways, right? <laughs> but why did he ask him to make a paste of figs? Okay, apply it to it. Okay, so we see all that. What is Jesus called? One of the names, he is the balm of Gilead. What is balm? Is balm. It's medicine. Balm is medicine. So he's called the medicine of Israel, the balm of Israel. So God is not negating medicine. More than healing, more than healing, I would say you should focus on health. Healing is a crisis intervention, but you don't need to have a crisis. But we need crisis intervention. Crisis intervention will come because we saw the good Jesus intervenes and we have healing. So I will never negate medicine or medical science or surgery or any of those things. But when you're talking about healing, I would always say it's better to walk in health, walk in better in, in health. And when the sickness is something actually serious, I would say don't tell people, no, don't take medication, believe in the Lord. No, I wouldn't do that mm-hmm. because I don't know their level of faith. Yep. I wouldn't know the level of faith. Okay, and sometimes it is also not a question of faith. Even if you have the level of faith in, I'm, I'm not being sarcastic or this thing, some people just don't need healing in their body, they need resurrection. Because the sickness has been there for years and years together and the sickness has taken a toll on the body. So simple, uh, simple healing won't do. I'm not saying it's all these things are beyond Jesus. I'm talking about the faith of people. Now look at a man who's 38 years, been a cripple, right? 38 years. That's a long period of time. Okay, now this is Jesus, and the question Jesus asks is fundamentally not what we would ask. He's asking a question, do you want to be made whole? The thing is that the sickness mentality or what, it has become part of his lifestyle. To cause him to think different is something very difficult. Because he's used to a lifestyle of being sick. His mind works that way. This is who I am. This is my life. This is how I live. This is my earning. This is how my day begins. This is how my day. That has become his life. Maybe he's, he, he struggled in the initial years. But then, but the difference is that in his case is that why Jesus comes and uh, unilaterally intervenes because that description is given where he is. He's at this pool called Bethsaida where once a year or something, an angel comes and stirs the water. The first one who gets him over there is the one who gets healed. And there were many over there. So these are all people who are hoping for healing. Unlike the man who was put at the gate called Beautiful, where he is waiting for money. Money, This man is hoping for healing. Okay, beyond money. So there's a difference. So you can see Jesus walked by the gate of um, beautiful many times. He never healed that man. 
could have seen him many times, never healed. He was also birth. 40 years old. Yeah, yeah, he was yeah, also from almost 40 years old from birth. Okay, here is another man above 40, 38 years. So God also looks at people. God also. So there is this issue with us is that when, uh, let us say, let's say you have BP. Now that is that is a sickness, okay, your body, and you've had a BP for years and years and years and years. So it's your natural thinking that you don't even think anymore. You get in the morning and you take a BP medication. Mm. Okay, you take a BP medication that has become okay. Now you hear about healing and you have faith, and one day in your prayer closet, God says, "You know what? Now God has to say, and you have to hear." Absolutely. To be very, very careful. That, uh, that has to mm-hmm. happen. Yes, yes. What can overrule all this is the gift of miracles. Gift of healing, the gift of, that's what happens usually in crusades and all. Now that is, that is also under which Jesus is also operating. Okay. Now that overrules everything. Even your faith. Mm-hmm. Everything mm-hmm. is overruled because it's a sign. It's a sign. And whoever is ministering has the gift of knowledge. All many gifts are working. These are gifts. Okay. Many gifts are working. One, he's there, he doesn't know anybody. <clears throat> so he calls, there's a person called John Ritchie in this crowd. And he says, the Lord tells me, you have this disease for the past 10 years and you've been struggling. But God says, today is the day. Stand up and come forward and you are healed. Now that overrules everything else. Okay. Now the thing is that you are healed. It happens. The question is, after that, will you, you walk in your healing? Yes, yes, yeah. <coughs> or will it come back? Amen. Hmm. Now, frauds are also there where they have pre-planned people. This is the problem with, you know, <laughs> they mess up God's name. They do all these kind of things. They put put people in the middle there and call them by name and they will come and give a testimony and also motive itself is different. Either it's money or glory or everything. But that does not negate the other one. Okay, So healing takes in different, different places. But what I would say is that even as you take your medication, you should never doubt your healing. Never doubt your healing. Never doubt your healing. And I would say that you meditate, you believe, you speak. Speaking is a important thing. It's a very important thing because if you read the Bible, it begins with in the beginning God created and then God spoke. God spoke. That's where it all begins. God spoke. And if God does not speak, nothing will happen. Exodus begins with by saying Joseph and his brothers are all dead. Israel is multiplied and a king, Pharaoh arose who did not know God. And there is a man, but in Genesis, Exodus 33, when Moses turned aside, God spoke. And after that, only the rest of the things begin. Hmm. After that, it begins. You go to the next book, the Bible says from the tent of the meeting, God spoke. spoke. So you have Leviticus. In Numbers, you will see God spoke. In Deuteronomy, God spoke to Moses and then Moses spoke to the people. Joshua begins by God, God spoke. Oh. So you cannot take that and God spoke. Oh. everywhere you will see. That is where it happens. You mm. take that speaking part out. Nothing happens. 
So a lot of people believe, they meditate on scriptures, they believe, they do, but they don't speak. Then there are those who believe and they speak, but they don't do. Different components are there. These components all have to fall into place. Okay? But even as you take your medication, you have to believe. But also understand this thing. Like, you know, there are many blocks to it. This is why I said we have to be very careful we don't condemn people. The man was brought, carried by four of his friends, brought a roof, was broken, he was let down. Jesus looked at them, then he told that man, your sins are forgiven. So there are sicknesses that comes because of sin, personal sin, okay, not the sin of the forefathers, but personal sin. The man with the issue of, thir- I mean, who had 38 years was the issue of sin because he told him, do not go and sin again or something worse will happen. Okay, so sin can cause it. So sometimes the block is sin. And if sin is not handled, it will not go. In Hezekiah's case, actually, there is no sin. Mm. So he says, he turns and God says, he talked a lot. I have always obeyed you. I have kept it. And God said, go and, go and extend 15 years. Okay, because you have to look at all these things. Again, when I'm saying it, please do not uh, misunderstand me. I'm not saying anybody who is hearing your sickness is because of sin. Your personal sin, but sickness is because of sin. Up the line from there. That is how sin came, sickness came, death came. But the fact of the matter is, you have to keep speaking. You have to keep speaking. You have to keep believing. You have to keep speaking. And you have to keep doing. With the doing part, okay, I'm telling you, the easiest part is the believing and the speaking part. The doing part will never will become perfect. We can only be blameless. And in blameless, what is involved is not just obedience of works, it is also obedience of repentance. Jesus was the only one who was perfect in his works. None of us can ever be perfect in doing. Okay? What we can only is be blameless in doing. Blameless in doing. And that is where repentance comes. Okay. Repentance is what makes you blameless. And then you do. Okay. But if you're going to focus on doing correctly to be healed, it's not going to happen. Then the thing, then we have to rewrite scriptures for some people. If my mercies are not new in the morning. They don't need mercy anymore. You know, we all need mercy. Without mercy, it is impossible. But understand this, this fundamental thing is that you have to look at the cross and you have to believe was sickness taken care of or not. Because the three things are taken care of on the cross. One is the law, second is sin, and the third is death. The three major things in our life has been taken care of. What is it? The law, sin, and death. If this Big things have been taken care of. Sickness is a minor thing. Minor thing. Mm. But you have to look at now. Let's go to Romans chapter 8. It's verse 10, 11, 8, 10, 11. If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin. Understand, the body is dead because of sin. This is a body of sin. 
body of sin. Because remember, in this body are two people. The new me and the old me. Mm. That old me is not dead. He has to be killed. Every, he has this inevitable capacity of resurrecting himself every day. Okay, So the old self is there and that is connected to the flesh. Therefore, it is a body of sin. He who raised Jesus, okay. But the spirit is life because of righteousness. The spirit is life because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So the body is dead because of sin. But the spirit can give life to the same mortal body. Okay, now we are talking about the mortal body. Okay, so everything is through the spirit. Through the spirit, you put to death the works of the flesh. And through the spirit... You receive life for the mortal body to do the works of righteousness. See, Jesus is our paradigm. That is how we lived. And that is how he still lives. It's very difficult for us to believe that he still lives the same way. You read Acts chapter 1. This is the resurrected Jesus. That's the way. Why is he living that way? Because for our sake, he, he, everything changed. That is, he's the firstborn of the new creation. How does he say in Acts chapter 1? Verse 1 and 2, former occurred, okay? Then all Jesus began to both do until the day in which he was taken up after he, through the Holy Spirit, had given commandments to the apostles he had, whom he had chosen. He's teaching through the Spirit. He's teaching through the Spirit. Something changed with Jesus. The second person of the Trinity changed with the incarnation. And he became the firstborn among many. And we are supposed to follow him. Follow him. Okay, because this is the issue with the old man. He doesn't want to live through the spirit. He wanted to live through the flesh, his own self. How wide. But Jesus said, I'm showing you a way. I who was God. And he is God. Okay, he says, I became man. I died. I rose again. When I became man, I did everything through the Spirit. And now, even now, I do everything through the Spirit. Because that is where the connection comes. The Spirit in Jesus and the Spirit in us are the same Spirit. The Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about your born-again Spirit. The Holy Spirit who resides in your born-again Spirit. That is where it comes. And He's telling us to listen to Him. So when He said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, He's also teaching us the spirit is the way. The spirit is the truth and the spirit is the life. So we can only teach, but each one ultimately has, has to, to hear. hear. Has to hear. You have to hear. Otherwise you can only believe with your mind. You cannot believe with your heart. This intellectual faith, but that doesn't do anything. The Bible never talks about it. The mind has to be transformed so that the mind is able to agree with the heart. But the mind doesn't come first. Mind doesn't come first. The heart comes first. The heart is a new man. You looked at it, no? You believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Not you believe. Because you cannot believe with your mind. I still cannot understand the incarnation. Yeah. Cannot understand. Understand in the Bible does not mean that you understand with the mind. It actually means to receive 
perceive what God, if you look at Hebrews chapter 11 and verse 3. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. What is that? By faith we receive it. Receive it. Like in, in, in school, we received so many things with our mind, actually without understanding it. Yeah. And Newton's laws and all, we received it with our mind. We wrote and we were so excited when we got our marks too. But the question is, did we really understand it? We really understand it? No, we didn't. But we received it with our mind. Okay, received with our mind. God says, faith understands. Faith understands. Okay, faith understands. It means it receives that. God created. God, it understands. Okay, and the science is basically connected with the mind. Science is trying to find the why and the how and the what and the way. That is how science is doing. But science and truth should not be actually in conflict. Though the atheist man has made, brought both into conflict. Science is far, far behind truth. Mm-hmm. This is truth. One day science will catch up. One day when it happens, when the perfect becomes exactly. the imperfect, science will become true. Till then, God says you have an advantage. Mm-hmm. You don't worry about what the world says. He says you live by faith. And what is faith based on? The word of God. What is the word of God? It's the truth. That's why I said we do not live anymore by what is right and wrong or whether we understand with our mind. We live by truth. And the only arbiter of the truth actually is the Spirit of God. But He's given us this. So the Spirit of God is the arbiter of truth. And when He says something, you have to receive it by faith as true. So you have to look into the Word of God and the Word of God says, Jesus bore my sickness and infirmity upon Himself and by His stripes. I was healed. I was healed. Mm-hmm. And the simple thing, how can the mind understand that I was healed 2,000 years ago? So the simple thing is that the same scripture says, I died with Christ, but He died 2,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. I am still alive, but God says that's not what is true. <laughs> the truth is that you died with Him, you rose with Him, you are seated with Him. That is the truth. And because we are caught in time, we struggle. But the minute we enter into timelessness, we will realize it is true. <laughs> because for God, there is no time. We are caught in time, so we are seeing only our present reality. But that is not what is tri- real. One day when time is taken away, we will realize everything God said was true. Was that such a fool I was? I wish I had believed and received it by faith. That's why he's telling Thomas. Thomas is very scientific. I have to see, I have to touch, I have to put his hand. And he says, blessed are those who be- you have believed because you saw. That is science. He says, blessed are those who believe without seeing. Mm. Without seeing. Okay, so we have to raise our faith up. Yeah. That is where you have to keep, it's not just, it's not that heard. We have to keep on hearing. Sometimes the same thing and we have to keep on speaking. We have to keep on doing. It's a continuous thing. And one day, it just clicks. It just clicks. It just clicks. And you may be just, just maybe healed. But also please remember, everything is also got to do with purpose. Also got to do with purpose. Also got to do with purpose. And sometimes what happens is, uh, 
you have two incredible characters in the old covenant called Elijah and Elisha. Okay. You need to understand Elijah was anointed. Elisha was anointed. The two of the very, very anointed people. Okay. Anointed people in the old covenant. But people do not understand the weight of the anointing. Weight of the anointing is incredible. The weight of the anointing and the enormity of the task that is given. The enormity of the, see the task that is given to Moses and Joshua and the task that is given to Elijah and Elijah are not the same. Moses is asked to bring judgment upon Egypt. Joshua is asked to bring judgment upon the seven nations in Canaan. Elijah and Elisha are called to save God's people without killing them. It is not the same. It is like our army soldiers trying to fight terrorists. And the terrorists are looking like civilians. So you will always hear about casualties from the armed forces. But the same armed forces, if you were to fight Pakistan, it is easy. They will bomb them out and they will all kinds of guns and artillery. Everything. You cannot use any of these things against terrorists who are looking like civilians. So the burden upon Elijah and Elisha, the burden of this is taking a toll on their health. Okay. He goes into depression and becomes suicidal. And Elisha dies of a sickness. Elisha dies of a sickness. So we need to understand these are all pictures over there. Okay? And uh, the weight and the weight upon Jesus. He says, you know what? The weight upon Jesus is terrible. Infinite. Infinite. And he's literally shedding blood. I mean, you have to look at this thing. These vessels are popping. Under the pressure of the weight, he says, but for this purpose I came. Mm -hmm. He's very clear about the purpose. I know this is my purpose, and I will not turn back from my purpose, but it's an enormous struggle in the garden of Gethsemane. And his soul is so overwhelmed, he asks them for prayer, everybody goes to sleep, he's all alone fighting. Now he asks this question, is the son of man uh, walking by faith? He's walking by faith. He's living by faith. And he's filled with the Holy Spirit. But look at his struggle. Look at his struggle. Boy. Okay, look at his struggle. Actually, there's a yeah. in science, there's a term called singularity. Uh, where, uh, by definition, it means the gravity, force of gravity at that, at that place is infinite. Mm-hmm. So whatever is a weight, it just kind of absorbs the whole thing up and then the mass is like, absolute. that's exactly what happened See, on the cross. Science is trying to catch up with <laughs> the truth, okay? <laughs> it's, it's, it's a singularity. Or something that took place 2000 years ago, science caught up only now. But it was true then, it is true now. It's just an absorbable okay. weight of something like that. Okay, so that's, that's what we need to, so healing is there. Mm-hmm. You can never, never, never question healing because if you don't believe in healing then you cannot believe that sin was taken care of exactly. on the cross <laughs> both both have to go together hallelujah <laughs> Man, that guess. itself is remarkable sin is a cause sin is a cause of everything mm. sickness is just a symptom Absolutely. If the cause is removed then the symptom okay but this is a body of death it's a body of sin. There is no redemption for the body. Mm-hmm. There we are looking forward to the new body. So the body will automatically, it is deteriorating. deteriorating. When God's, that law is at motion. If you sin, you mm-hmm. shall die. The law is still entropy set in. Entropy, right? Yes. Entropy, entropy. set in. 
and it is set in all, and the whole of creation, all of creation entropy has set in. That's why the Bible says, all of creation is groaning oh. for the redemption, because the redemption is connected with us. If man was supposed, if you, if you read Genesis, if you read Genesis 1, it's very interesting. When he created the other animals and birds and fish and all, he gave them three things. He told them to be fruitful, multiply, and increase. He used three. But he didn't say the other two to them. Only to man he added five. He said subdue and have dominion. He didn't tell, tell the two, other two to them. That is not for them. Because they are not made in God's likeness. They just created. But we were made in God's likeness. So he says over, subdue and have dominion. So it actually means man was to be God's ordained sovereign on earth. King, under God, on king. So when man fell, all of creation fell. Visible creation, everything fell. The whole thing fell. So they cannot be redeemed without us being redeemed. They cannot get their bodies. So I do believe this is my personal, okay, you can, as long as it's not doctrine which pertains to life. When we talk about redemption, we are going to get bodies that will never decay, corrupt again. So I do believe in the new creation, trees will never, leaves will not fall. Yeah. Trees will not age. If there are animals, there should be animals, they will all have the same. See, corruption is gone. That's why in Jesus, when he rules for a thousand years and sin is under control, people live long. Those are not the saints, the others who are still born of flesh and blood and in sin nature. The Bible says even the youngest one will be hundred years old. So he's showing what. And then post that, there will be absolutely no decay at all. Absolutely no decay at all. Neither for man. Because a new body, in the same way, I do believe everything will be it's an unbelievable, unbelievable. There will be no world. more curse. That's there will be the no more curse, curse no more death, no more curse, no more sin, nothing. Okay, but if you have sickness and your doctor has given you a prescription. Take it. Don't do things by emotion. A lot of people here and they say, "I'm throwing away all my medicines," and before you know, they are in the ICU. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't be. Unless God has spoken to you. God has spoken to you. Or in a miracle crusade, you've hit the power of God. Hits you. Literally hit you. And you're like, she came from behind and she touched virtue. Power hit her. She was, she immediately knew she was healed. And Jesus also turned around and said, and it happens. It can happen. Like I said, no, I was running with my little boy. I turned the corner, I slipped. He was on my left hand. I in a split second transferred him to my right hand. No, he was on my right hand. A split second transformed and hit the floor on my right and I broke my elbow. Elbow here. Okay, I got open the door, put him in, put the TV for him. All he, this, this is what you call grace. <laughs> okay, got him over there, put Pogo for him and said, sit there in front of it. And I put my head down and I passed out. And he had no clue I had passed out. I was alone. Passed out. And half an hour later, I called somebody and said, can you come? I think I have broken my wrist. Person came, went to the hospital, cast was all put for six weeks. I learned to do a lot of things with my left hand, including right, cook, 
everything I learned with my left hand. Then six weeks later, I was supposed to go. I was supposed to go to Bhutan and Assam and all that. Two days, I made the cast was taken off. And the next day, I was supposed to travel. And they said, it's be like this fellow. You have to do physiotherapy. You have some time. You have to do all this. And you'll straighten out. Don't take too much weight on it. And that evening, I was watching. This man of God comes and says, now this is recorded earlier, but prayers and anointing have no time. Anything of God has not constrained my time. He Hmm. said, I see somebody who had a fracture on his right hand. The cast has been just been taken out. And God is telling me to stretch out your hand. I stretched out my hand and the power hit me and I carried all my bags the next day and went. So, you cannot question me with these things. Say these things. <laughs> I've come through all, all of this. I've seen it. I have happen. empirical data. Empirical. <laughs> empirical. I told you, I was in the ICCU. I went into coma. I mean, I don't want to tell the other part. My spirit left my body, went, saw heaven, all that. And I was, I was dead, actually. First time I died, my spirit left and I opened. I mean, this is, these things are, these things are impossible to happen. I can tell you it was uh, in 1999, the month of October, the last week during puja season, traveling from Hyderabad to uh, Calcutta right. to Guwahati. And I was sentenced in Haloknamai Express. My seat number was 60. I was in the sleeper. And night, the train was late. When I got up, I wasn't good at all. I didn't know I was bleeding. My stomach was full of blood. I had no clue at all. So I got up at 60. I felt I had to throw up. I feeling as pukish. I got up. Now, if you have traveled in an Indian train, you get up at 60. The bathroom is right here. I went there and the Lord said, go to the other end. I heard him tell, turn, go to the other end. Now, that sounds strange, right? Turn. And I turn, I go to the other end. Before I reach the other end, I collapsed. And I collapsed on top of the only doctor traveling in the entire train, Dr. Pai. He caught me, who was working with Rockhart Hospitals. Think about it. I fell on top of it and I died. Spirit left. When I opened my face, there was a crowd of people. He had put a spoon uh, to keep my tongue out because I think I was swallowing my tongue and they had thrown water and there were people with chapels and all because you know <coughs> Hindus all kind of things standing <laughs> I looked around all around and I said oh, what is this and I said I need and he spoke English he says are you okay are you okay are you good okay? I, said, I need to go to the bathroom I feel like throwing up so I went into the bathroom and he said don't lock the door to lock the door. I will stand out. A nice old man with his wife, two daughters, doing the undergraduation. I'm telling you, because you cannot tell me healing doesn't take place. Okay, I got it, but you know, we are embarrassed. So I locked the door. Next thing I did, I'm gone again. I'm gone again. I opened, I had gone in, and I was vomiting, and it was all black, blood, blood coming out. Next thing I opened my eyes, I'm lying flat on the floor. And I heard the voice of the Lord says, do not fear. If you fear, you will die. Do not fear. So I put my hands on both sides and I raised myself and I spoke in the name of Jesus. I will rise. You have to speak your faith that as well. And I, and I opened the door. Nobody was there because 
the door was locked, everybody left because they thought I was dead. And in India, nobody wants to get involved with a dead body, right? Nobody wants to get involved with a dead body. So I rose and I came and I was walking, washed my face, all was covered. I was walking down. He saw, he came running and said, come, come, come with me. Uh, he, I lay down and he brought me something to eat. He said, you eat and all. And I was you know, on and off, on and off. You won't believe, because this is why you have to tell, this is why I said it's so important to hear. So important to hear. So it's almost midnight now. We are reaching, almost reaching Howrah. He said, uh, who, uh, it's midnight. Do you know anybody in Calcutta? I said, no, I don't know anybody in Calcutta. I was hoping to stay at the Yatri Nivas and then go in the morning to the airport because I have to fly to us. He said, who do you, who can, I was thinking, 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 who, who, I cannot remember anybody. Then I said, okay, there is this particular person who's a relative, who's a doctor, an old person. You can call uh, her because she usually sleeps always with a phone because she's old, but she has a phone with her. I think they know somebody in Calcutta. He said, okay, okay, okay. He was such a nice man. He kept his wife and his children sat at the platform, he ran, got a wheelchair and brought, and he called. And he called. When he called that lady, who's passed away a few years back, he called that lady. She said, okay, uh, okay, I will call and send somebody. So he said, okay, we will be in front of Yatri Nivas. There I was sitting in front of Yatri Nivas in the wheelchair, all sardars, taxi drivers all around me, everybody telling me what all you should do in crisis. And I'm asking these children, what do you do under graduation this year, this thing and all. And this unknown stranger comes to pick me up. The interesting part is that when this lady had called this stranger, his, he heard her say on the phone, now this is a Hindu, the guy who's picking the phone, who's coming to pick me is a Hindu. The lady who's speaking is a Christian. He says, I'm taking, uh, your, whoever it is, to this, this hospital. And he heard her say that, no, take him to AG's hospital on the phone. That's how I ended up in AG's hospital. Otherwise, I've ended up in another hospital. Later, when I met the lady and I asked her, I reached A.G.'s hospital because you told him his name was Praveen. Praveen also died. He was much younger than me. He died of a sickness. <laughs> like the one who took me to the hospital. He said, Praveen, you told Praveen to take me to A.G.'s hospital. She looked at me and said, what? I didn't even, I don't, I didn't even know there was an A.G.'s hospital in Calcutta. I never said anything like that to him on the phone. I just told him to take him to hospital. She said, I didn't, I didn't, I don't know. AG had a hospital in Calcutta. I didn't even know. So you see, there was intervention at every. I got into the car, and the next thing I know, I'm gone. Again, gone. I wake up the next day morning. My eyes open the next day morning. I'm in ICCU bed number one. Like I said, in a bed number one. Underneath it is written, Jesus heals. I looked at it, and I heard the Lord say, you are healed. And I said, I am healed. And I got up. And actually, I was healed. Hallelujah. After that, they did all the endoscopy. They said, no, radiologists who did the endoscopy said, there is nothing. There's just not even a scar. It's all gone. Everything gone. And I walked out. And you need to realize, I had to go 
to Assam because I had to teach because there was a crusade taking place, so I had to teach all the organizers. And there's only one flight on a Thursday from now that flight is also stopped from Calcutta to Tezpur. So they said, uh, you cannot go because all the seats are full. Everything is. I said, I will go. Because I know if all this happened, <laughs> then this also God knows and I have to go. Wednesday night they told me, the VIP quota has been released. You are in seat number one. Alliance <laughs> So you, see, you take God out of the factors, everything falls apart. So, so, healing is part of the atonement. Okay. Will we be completely healed? No, our bodies are deteriorating. But, I do believe in strength for the body, even when you are growing old. As long as you're absolutely focused on purpose. Purpose. Lord, this is the reason. Like Paul says, I want to go, but I'm here for your sake. Lord, your purpose. Until that purpose is not over, Lord, don't take me out. I want to finish and come. Because there's no, if rapture is going to be delayed by a hundred years, what I'm going to sit there and do for a hundred years? Like the others, how long, Lord, how long, Lord? God will say, wait, wait, Lord, let me finish my work here and then come. But there's only one body to do the work. Yes. And the body needs strength. And the word of God says, the very spirit that raised Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies. That's a quickening mortal body. That is where you have to believe in those situations. You have to believe. All these things I have experienced. So when, when I look at it, I can say it has experienced. I have seen how God can actually do these things. But what connects is faith. The question is, do you believe? And to believe, it has to be from scripture. It is written. Okay. And what is written has to become living. Because the Spirit says, because the Spirit, that's what Jesus said. See, Jesus taught them so much. How are they going to remember? What is written, we are not able to remember. What is spoken, how can you remember? Try to think. Three years you have been in church. We preach 52 Sundays. Unlike them, they heard 365 days. Can we remember? God says, no. But Jesus is speaking. Is Everything is the word of God because mm-hmm. he is the one who is speaking. He said, the Spirit will bring it to your remembrance. Until we learn to be, really, really learn to be dependent upon the Spirit as a person and the power of that person, as a person, because a person has to speak. And two, the Spirit also is the power. He also is the power factor of God. It's a person Hmm. and the power. And you know, you will realize, you know, what it takes, that it takes away the fear. Fear goes away. Fear goes away. No, it goes away. So healing is there. But till then, this is how you respond. On the other side, healing is not complete. Other side, you get a new body altogether. Oh. <laughs> you will be no need for healing. It's a different body. But as we run this race and as we fulfill God's purpose, like in my mother's case, I'll give her all the medical treatment, that is all the medication and all, because she doesn't have the faith. People who are old, who let us say 85 years old, you got saved late, and by then the body has taken it all completely because of the sickness that is was you. You will need a miraculous intervention of God. Like the man, a direct, it is, it is not just faith. 
It is a miraculous intervention of God. It is a power of God flowing directly into those. No? Can it happen? Yes, it happens. If resurrection from the dead can happen, what else? What is healing? So Jesus shows it all. Four days dead, just dead, dead for a few hours. He raises them all up. Peter does. No? So, you have to believe. How he will do it, we do not know. Can it be by faith? It can be a gift of miracles operating. But the thing is that you should always believe. Has God told you like Paul that, no, for your sake, because you know too much. And I don't want any, and you are the last of the apostles, not the first of the apostles. One call years later, I don't want it getting into your head. For your that sake, I'll keep you. But even there is asked to look by faith. What did he tell him? Even the spirit is life because of yeah. He told him that my grace is sufficient, sufficient for you. So yes. he, you have to tap into my grace every day. How do you tap into God's grace? Only by faith. That's Romans five two. By by faith we enter into this grace and we stand. He says, you know what? For you, it's going to be a different process altogether. If I heal you now, then it's a healing grace instantaneously. Fine, but I'm not going to heal you mm. now. You will have to trust me for strength every, every day. day. I'll give you grace for that day, one day at a time. So either way, it is still faith. Mm. So people, I says, you have to trust God either for healing, your body is fine, you got, for strength or for strength for, for every, day. every day. Amen. Strength for every day yes. to fulfill it. That's where purpose comes in. Purpose is very, but God speaks. So the, uh, I think Derek Prince made a powerful statement. He said. A person with an experience is not at the mercy of the, at the uh, and the person with an argument. <laughs> you have an argument because you have an experience. Yeah, right. <laughs> and if you go to the book of Malachi, you know, if you go to the book of Malachi, you know, this is why I said you know, these verses are connected with healing. If if you have a disability, then that's where you need to go. Chapter four, 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 four. and verse two. Mm. But to you who fear my name. Okay, the son of righteousness shall arise with healing in his wings, and you shall go out and grow fat like stall-fed calves. Now the Baptist will come and take context and all, but somebody who's lying sick in his bed, he doesn't want to know context. He wants his healing. He wants his healing. <laughs> man who's crippled, who's brought, roof is broken. He's not looking at context. He's looking for healing. <laughs> okay. So that is where the spirit will bring. And when the spirit brings it, it will fit into your context. Don't worry about it. When the spirit brings to your remembrance, it will fit in. Then you don't doubt anything. Lord, this is it. Lord, and you will say, Lord, teach me, Lord, to Fear your name, like Pastor Vijay taught. We have taught many times about the fear of the Lord. You need to realize, even the man who feared the most in the old covenant lost his fear. David lost his fear, Solomon lost his fear, Moses lost his fear, all lost his fear. So you need to realize, how does it fear? Because, because this is connected with healing. Those who fear my name, those who fear my name, for them, the son of righteousness will rise healing under his wing. So something else is connected over here to healing. What is connected? Fearing God. Now if you go to Isaiah chapter 11 and verse 1. Hmm? <coughs> they shall come forth the rod. Uh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yes. Verse 2. Yes. Okay. 
the two and three. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel, the spirit of might, the spirit of the knowledge and the and of the fear of the Lord. And verse 3, his delight is in the fear of the Lord, and he shall not judge by the sight of his eyes, nor decide by the hearing of his eyes. That's what you look at. But what we forget is we look and forget to look at verse 2. Yeah. Okay. 2. You know, you're looking at verse 2. Do you know, you can either look at fear of God as a concept, or fear of God is part of the spirit of God. Yep. And that's the spirit who's in you. So we try to fear God, and we always try to manufacture, and we lose it. But on the other hand, if you lean onto the Spirit of God and say, Lord, you are the Spirit of the fear of God. You are the Spirit of the fear of God. And that Spirit is what gave me birth. And that Spirit is who is in me. Lord, putting it very simple language, would you fear through me? Would you fear through me? See, I told you, the new covenant life is the spirit. Old covenant life is the blood. The new covenant life, it is not the blood. It is the spirit is life. God says, if you try to do anything without an outside my spirit, guaranteed failure. Proof, check the greatest of all the people, great ones in the Old Testament. They all failed. You can name anything you will find one example of a great man of God who failed in the old covenant. They could not. Simply could not. Why? Because for them blood was life. Spirit was not life. Spirit was upon them. The spirit never gave them birth. For us, for the old man, the man of flesh and blood who sins, the blood speaks for him. But the new man is not blood and flesh. His spirit. His spirit. And therefore he lives by the spirit. He lives by the spirit. So that is where all this thing comes. Yes, we need concepts, but you cannot love these concepts like the old man tried in the old covenant. You will, you will impossibly fail. You try anything to live like the old covenant saints, not the bad people. The good people tried. You're going to fail. It's not possible to live that way. That's why he's saying even the greatest of women in the old covenant is John the Baptist. What happened to John the Baptist when he was arrested? What happened? What happened to all your experiences? You heard the voice of God. You were baptizing the Son of God. And you saw the Holy Spirit descend. Who has ever had an experience like that? Yet, when your circumstances changed and you were put into prison, you sent your disciples to ask, is he the one to come or should we wait for somebody? What happened? Where did doubt come? Where did unbelief come? Where did depression come? Where did all this come from? Yet take the same context in the new covenant, take an apostle Paul or a Silas, beat them black and blue, strip them, throw them into the prison at midnight hour, absolutely no issues, singing and praising God. What happened the difference? What is the difference? The difference is the spirit in them. They are living by the spirit. The spirit is, in this, in this context, the spirit is, they are saying, no, the spirit, they are being ministered to by the spirit and they are ministering in the spirit. They are asking all, what should we do? And the spirit says, pray and praise. Brings to their remembrance what the Lord has said. When you are persecuted for righteousness sake, rejoice and be exceedingly glad. So they are singing. They are singing. 
That is how it happened. This is the life in the spirit. In any context, any context that we go through, your breakthrough lies from hearing from the spirit and you will bring to your remembrance scripture. All we can do is read scripture, try to memorize scripture, but even if you memorize scripture, you wouldn't know which scripture you, you need for life then. Because Jesus said, my words are spirit and life. What spirit word you need exactly at that hour, what you need, you don't know. The spirit only knows. It is impossible. I mean, honestly, think about it. Because we have heard and read so many times. But imagine, you as a child of God, born again, child of God, is driven into the wilderness. And the devil says, if you are truly a child of God, turn these stones to bread. Where are you going to get Deuteronomy 8.3 from? It will never cross your mind according to the context. It is not going to cross your mind unless the Spirit brings it. We know it now because Spirit brought it for Jesus. I'm saying take it out. That never happened. You will never get that verse in that context. Because you don't know what is there for the context. You have absolutely no clue what to do in this context. You will start, you start, okay, maybe this is what I need to do. It's the Spirit that brings it. The Spirit that brings. See, we can do our part. We can read scripture. We can memorize scripture. Okay, that's why I always tell everybody does not have the capacity to memorize scripture, but you should hear scripture. Everybody does not have the capacity to read scripture. Because half the people in the world are illiterate. But everybody should have the capacity to hear scripture. So hear scripture and trust the Holy Spirit to bring to your remembrance. We have to do our part. Because this is the simple thing. I cannot remember anything that I haven't heard. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> cannot heard. So at least once read or hear scripture. At least once hear or read scripture. And then trust the Spirit of God. Lord, bring, bring into my remembrance, Lord. I'm trusting you. I'm not even relying on your flesh. My flesh, my strength, my memory, power, all that. I'm not Shangundala Devi. I'm not doing all that things. Remember that lady mathematically yeah, wisdom. I am, yeah, whatever her name is. I'm not any of that, Lord. I'm just your child who has all these weaknesses, but I'm trusting in your power and in your strength. Bring to my remembrance what do I need now to believe, to speak, and to do. To do. That's where faith comes. That's where faith comes. Okay. And I'm telling you, faith works. If sight works, faith works better. Amen. So you want to take the next question? Of course. Let's take it. Uh, Pastor, again, I think you should take question number three on similar lines. This has again got to do with deliverance. Was there was the- a particular question. Let me see. I don't want it to be missed. Because today in another country there are so many people gathered listening to that question. Let me see that I delete it. Yeah. It is he does not give us options. He yeah, yeah, that's question number two. Yes, that word. Question okay. number two, yeah. yeah. Okay. Oh, question number two. <clears throat> God does not give us options. He commands us to forgive. Would you agree? When you when you hold unforgiveness in your heart, you are distracted from loving Christ. 
You can also open doors to tormentors if you practice self-forgiveness. Focusing on the wrong thing will not free you. Hating someone is like giving them poison and waiting for them to die. But actually you die. You die. That's it. That's the question. Okay. And now, um, see, even if you read Joshua chapter 1, no? Chapter 1, if you read Joshua chapter 1, it's very funny. If you read Joshua chapter 1, we go to Joshua chapter 1. Uh, 1, 9. Have I not? Command. Not to be afraid. It's a, it's a command. It's a command. Mm-hmm. It's not an option. <laughs> oh, we think it has an option, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to be strong and to be of good courage is a command. Okay. So, when God says, forgive, okay, the option of not forgiving is, if you, you should also look at the option, if I don't forgive, what are the issues over here, the consequences of here. Okay, consequences of here. I'm not saying if you don't, if you are a saved person and if you don't forgive, you will go to hell. I'm not saying that. Then, then salvation is by works. No, I'm saying that you will be tormented while you are living. You will have to pay every inch of it back. God says, what will happen is, I will not, I will, I will not be put, able to put a hedge around you. The hedge will be removed. The tormentors will torment you, torment you, torment you, torment you, torment you. That's what he's basically talking about. Okay. But now coming to the question. Coming to the question. Why is forgiveness of all things if you look at Jesus' teachings with us, one of the most important things Jesus puts across is forgiveness. The reason is we are where we are is simply because of forgiveness. Why are we saved? Because God forgave us in Christ Jesus. Why did Jesus come? Why did he live such a difficult life? Why did he die on the cross so that we could be Forgive. That's the reason. Could be forgiven. So when God, unlike every other thing, every other thing, forgiveness is a different thing altogether. Because everything Jesus did was so that we would receive the mercy of God. Mercy of God. Remember, if there is no mercy, there is no grace. Mercy comes before grace. Absolutely. Okay. Mercy forgives me of my sins, but grace saves me. See, if I'm only forgiven, I'm only a forgiven sinner. That's not what God does. First, He forgives me of all my sins. Then He goes to level two and justifies me as if I have never sinned. Why? He forgives me. Because the Lord, I'm sorry, He forgives me. Then He takes all my sins and puts it on His son. Because you believe in Jesus. Now He justifies me as if I have never sinned. He doesn't stop there. He takes His righteousness and puts it into me. He gives me the gift of His righteousness. That is salvation. Three things actually happen. First, I'm forgiven of all my sins. 
Second, my sin itself is taken out and put on Jesus. So now I am not just a forgiven sinner, now I am righteous. I am justified, not righteous, I am justified. Just as if I have never sinned. He doesn't stop there. Now he gives me the gift of his righteousness. Gift of his righteousness. The proof of it all is the Spirit of God in you. Go back to Romans 8 and read verse 10 again. The Spirit is life because of righteousness. What is the proof that you are righteous? Because you cannot prove these things to people because they will only point your unrighteousness out. What is the proof you are righteous? What is the proof you are righteous? See, this is the trap of the law. Because the, tra- the, the law is such that you will never be satisfied because you are always trying to be righteous. Okay, when you have done nine, the tenth one pops, I didn't do that. You are always. But that's what the Bible says. No man will boast. Because this is not a salvation by works. It's a salvation by faith. So what is the proof you are righteous? The proof, the evidence of your righteousness is the Spirit of God in you. You have been born again and the Spirit of God is in you. And that Spirit is life. Understand how salvation works, please. So it all happened because Jesus was willing to the plan of God, the plan of the Father to come and die for us so that we would be forgiven. So when we don't forgive, God has a major issue with it. That's why Jesus uses all these parables. This man who owned, owed the king or the master, let us say, ten million dollars, and he forgives him. And then this guy has another fellow who owes him ten dollars, and he puts him in prison. And when he hears about him, he said, "What is this? What is this?" He said, "Only I have shown mercy, because I showed him mercy, because we need to understand what God forgave us." We will never know how much he forgave us. Wow. Yeah. Because every thought, inclination, everything was sin. It was sin. Why? Because we are not walking by faith. Anything that is not a faith itself is sin. Born in sin, shaped in sin, walked in sin, lived in sin. And he just forgave us, just like that. Forgive us. Ask no accounts, ask no questions, nothing. Just forgive us. And he says, how are you not able to forgive? But you say, but you don't know what. He says, yeah, I know. But uh, should I remind you what you did to me? What you did to me? So this. And the second thing about forgiveness which we need to understand is when you forgive somebody, you are in no way justifying the evil they did it. You are not doing that. Forgiven. When God forgives me, is he justifying what I did? No. He's forgiving me because Jesus was willing to take my sin upon yes. himself. Yes. That is weird. So that is why Romans 3 will say he's both just and, and justifier. That is why his son had to go on the cross. That's why people need to understand the cross of what actually happened on the cross. The, the enormity of the work of the cross. What actually happened on the cr- cross. So now he says, when I, when somebody, let's say somebody has sinned against me, okay, when I forgive them, I'm not justifying what they did is right. I'm not saying they did it right. But I am forgiving them because Christ, God forgave me in Christ. That's the reason. Second, 
Forgiveness is not an emotion. It's an act of will. You may feel or you may not feel. It's an act of will. Like faith, you heard about God's forgiveness in Christ. You heard, you believed, you believed, you spoke, you received. And then you walked without condemnation, walked as a forgiven person. You walked as if that is the doing part. You walk now without condemnation. That walk is important because that shows you, you have believed that you have been forgiven. You have believed we have been forgiven. Because some people say, but they don't believe they are forgiven. They are still trying to make amends with God. God says, I have forgiven. I have forgotten it. Why are you coming back? So you have, you, you, the way you live is a proof that you have actually believed you are forgiven. So that's when it completes it. In the same way, when you are forgiving somebody, you are forgiving them by faith. Not by sight, not by feelings. Why do you forgive them? Because Christ forgave you and Christ told you to forgive you. It's a command. So you are forgiving them. How do you forgive them? It's an act of faith, it's an act of will. And you speak it out. You have to speak it out. Words have power. And you have to keep on speaking it out. You know what? You don't have to go and tell them. You tell it to God and you tell it to yourself. You tell it to God and you tell it. Like the prodigal son, talk to himself. I have sinned against heaven and my father. What is he basically saying? Father, forgive me and I will go to my father and I. The father didn't even want to hear the whole story. He already forgiven. I had already forgiven in your heart. I'm just waiting for you to come back home. So you have to speak it out. Because that is where the power comes. Because the more you, let us say, let us say Richie. John Richie is the one sitting in the front. Okay, so Richie did something. Okay, and I'm what do I say? I choose to say, you know, whenever that comes, I say, first I say, Lord, I choose to forgive John Ritchie in your name. Now I'm forgiven. Now tomorrow the feelings come. What do I say? I choose to know. Lord, I choose to say, I forgave him. And I'm not going to go by my feelings. Mm, exactly. I forgave him. <laughs> forgave him. I forgave him. I forgave him. I already forgave him. I will not go. I have forgiven. The more you say, okay. Now, let us say, John Ritchie may not change. God only said, forgive. God said, love. God did not say, like. Okay. You don't have to like everybody. You don't have to like everybody. But God says, Love everybody. Love everybody does not mean you like everybody. Likeness has got to do with many other things. But uh, reconciliation takes two people. Takes two people. Sometimes reconciliation may not take place at all because the other person is not willing to let go. But that does not mean you need to hold it. The Bible only says with God, you have peace with God. But with man, as far as possible. As possible. You have to be very careful that the enemy does not put all these things together and says, this is the whole package. No. Otherwise, you have been forgiven. Oh. No, not. But in close relationship, all things have to meet. If you're a husband and a wife, everything has to fit in. You have to forgive. You have to love. You have to like. like period. <laughs> all that is there. Okay. I mean, you have to like meaning. Again, I will not bring like over there. Let us say, you no, know, because 
like let us say there is a facet of my character which doesn't fit in with god's truth at all then my wife doesn't have to like it mm. and it's a lie you're liking a lie mm. okay liking a lie which are non issues we can leave it alone like you know i like uh, malo food my wife dislikes it no if you love me you have to like it no i never tell her leave it alone give that also to me i will eat it okay <laughs> Okay. 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 Now, this week we went for dinner after the marriage. Five months. Five months we went for dinner to Stanley and Akila's place, and Stanley made a spread, but for ma. <laughs> okay, I also ate it. Why did I eat it? Because I love Stanley and Akila. But she loved them and she liked the food. <laughs> There are a lot of things which you do because you love. That doesn't mean you need to like it. Amen. Like it. Like it. Okay. Because liking is with. attitudes and all liking has to agree with truth then with things and objects and all it has it's got to do with taste it has got to do with taste so though we fellowship in the church primarily we try to say hi bye to everybody yet people will have their own little groups as long as it is not politics it is okay because the groups <laughs> the groups are according to likings so five brothers in the church will be sitting together and talking about it some this thing if i were to go join i wouldn't understand anything that is happening they may having a fellowship as believers on what they like another three may be talking football or cricket that's all good it's all based on likings it's called likings okay so we need to be very careful about this there are certain likings which are perfectly fine but i don't like that person because that person is black that is prejudice this racial prejudice Now that's evil that's a lie Mm. that's a lie i don't like that person because that's a mongolian okay now that is prejudice so we have to be very careful. very careful about these are the i don't like that brother at all because he's baptist be very careful he's a born again believer he's a part of the family okay you may not like certain doctrines he holds on to you because you know it is not fully true but mm. you cannot dislike him because of a doctrine can agree to disagree so these are areas we have to be very very careful but forgiveness first and foremost you forgive this um, it is in forgive as christ jesus colossians, colossians chapter 3 if i'm no, not 3 3 not 3 not 3 third thing or god in christ forgive you yeah god in christ. it's not 3 it's 2 go of brethren as uh, christ forgave you no yes yes 4:30 colossians 4:32 ephesians 4:32 yes ephesians. it was not got it yeah ephesians 4:32 as possible it's there got it okay be kind to one another tender hearted forgiving one another even as god in christ forgave you now this is important because this is very important this is where it comes okay now what is the first thing that is saying be 
kind to one another. Now we go to First Corinthians chapter 13 and go to verse 4. Love suffers long and is kind. See, we think about love as a very strong emotion, and it is. It's a very powerful, strong emotion. The old covenant, the Bible says, love is as strong as death. The new covenant, love is stronger than death. Mm. So it's a very powerful. See, emotions are not bad. Emotions are very good if it's a good servant. It's a very, very good servant. It's an ex- so love is an ex- love as an emotion is an excellent servant. Only don't let it become a master. But it is the most powerful servant you can have is love as an emotion the most. But on a normal general thing, you know what love is? It's kind. It's kind. It's kind. So when God says forgive, the first step is I choose to forgive choose to forgive. Lord, I chose to forgive. I have forgiven. I have forgiven. Forgiven. And then you have to also say, Lord, if and I when, if I encounter, run into this person, help me to love that person. Lord, I choose to say, I love him or her with your love. Mm. I don't have it, but you have shared it abroad in my heart. It is written, Romans 5, 5. I stand on your word. It is there in me through your spirit. I choose. Now, what happens is that the f- first thing when you actually believe and you speak, first thing what happens is that kindness is an action. Kindness is an action. A kindness is an action. But before the act of kindness happens, is something else comes into your heart. Is what is called compassion. Okay? Yeah. The, the emotional f- Feeling part of kindness is compassion. So Jesus, whenever he saw the crowds, he felt compassion. And what he was very kind to them. He looked at the city, okay, they're all hungry. Let's feed them. Okay. What will actually happen? See, these are things where you believe and you speak. But when the opportunity comes, okay, you will be always compassionate. You're always compassionate. An opportunity comes where you act. See, many of them don't need help. But if they are in a situation and you run into a situation and you are able to help, what happens is that you are still, the kindness part will come out. They may accept, they may refuse, but that may be the icebreaker. Okay. But these things don't randomly happen. These are all happens by, that's what the Bible talks about, no? You see, in everything, there is a believing part, there is a speaking part, and there is a doing part. I'll show you. Okay. Go to the book of Philippians, one of the most powerful letters, because of the context in which it is written. Go to Philippians chapter 4. Okay. Okay. Verse 4 onwards. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I will say rejoice. What do you do? You sing. Let your gentleness be known to be. Be gentle. The Lord is at hand. Be gentle. Then verse 6. Be anxious for nothing. In everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. You do these things. You do these things. And you do it consistently. What will happen is... and 
not a natural not a not a, i wouldn't say a natural that's a wrong word a supernatural peace of god will come into your heart and mind the peace of god which surpasses all understanding you cannot understand because situation hasn't changed will guard your hearts and minds through christ jesus but how do you keep that peace verse 8 finally brethren whatever things are true whatever things are noble whatever things are just whatever things are pure whatever things are lovely whatever things are of good report if there is any virtue and if there is anything praiseworthy meditate on these things amen mm. okay meditate you see when it comes to people you have to use the cricketing term okay you have to all i mean the people who have harmed you or the people who have misunderstood you or whatever it is good to always give them the benefit, the benefit of doubt, of doubt. Mm. poor fellow maybe did not know what he was doing you know what happened before jesus was crucified you know the entire kangaroo court every law was broken the false witnesses everything the beating the scourging the shame the everything and his nail hoisted up the cross is lifted up the first thing he is saying father they don't know what they're doing did you see that what he actually says and we look at all those people and get so mad and they know what they are doing what is he saying father they don't know what they're doing <laughs> they don't know what they are doing no what they are doing so the simple thing is that always try to give the people a benefit of doubt like yesterday pastor vijay and i were talking about a different context and i was telling him pastor vijay sometimes only when you hear people you like i said he said what happened i was telling him i don't want to give you the details i was telling him that no you see when an atheist a person who believes in evolution atheist and a creationist sit and talk they're talking from two different platforms and each believes what they're saying is truth and they cannot agree because there's no common ground uh-huh. because the common ground he is saying there is god and the god creator this is i don't believe there is so they, there is no common ground to talk about common ground to talk about so a lot of things we suddenly realize is that you know what a person in the world who is walking by sight living by sight and a person in the kingdom who is living by faith there is no common ground the person who is living by faith looks at the person who is living by sight and says he is an anarchist you know what an anarchist anarchist he doesn't have any laws he is an anarchist you don't realize the person who is living in the world looks at the person living by faith and says he is an anarchist he has no laws because he cannot understand the law of faith mm. so he looks at this this fellow is an anarchist mm. i look at him and say, he is an anarchist mm. Sometimes the problem is that fellow has more compassion on me than I have on him. But sometimes you know because he has what is called a human kindness. Yes. We are supposed to exhibit God's kindness. The problem is the children of God don't exhibit even God's kindness or human kindness also. Natural Okay, the Bible talks about the natural human kindness that is also is lost. So we need to realize is that you know what you ha- this is where the thinking part comes. Thinking part comes. Okay, like I said, no. It's very easy for Martha 
to allow Mary to sit and listen to Jesus' message. If only she just changed thinking a little. Right? Thinking a little for Mary. For Mary. And now let us sit her thing. Okay. She needs to hear. Let her. But that's not what she thinks. That's all. See, people who struggle to forgive are actually focused on their self. Self. That is the danger. That's the old focus on the self. You don't know what they did to me. The issue is me. It's me. Focus on yourself. And what God is saying, no, don't focus on yourself. Focus on the other person. Other person. Okay? You have to focus on the other person. Poor thing. Maybe it was a misunderstanding. Misunderstanding. Because when you forgive, what happens is actually you get the weight of your shoulders. Amen. Weight. And the danger of not forgiving, I will tell you the danger of not forgiving. The danger of not forgiving is that you are not actually looking for justice. Revenge. You are looking for vengeance. Mm. Vengeance belongs only mm. to God. Vengeance belong only to God. That is when you become wicked. Mm. Okay, that is the mm. danger. But you're not looking for justice. You're looking for revenge. That's a very dangerous place to be. God says, don't do that. Don't do that. I was telling Pastor Vijay. <laughs> he was laughing. I was telling Pastor Vijay. Sometimes you have to find the humor in what God is saying. <laughs> he says, bless your enemies. Don't curse them. Like I said, Raj is sitting there. And his enemy, I mean, he doesn't have that enemy. Let's say Raj's enemy, actual enemy who torments him day and night is his boss. <laughs> or let us say somewhere his boss is there. Terrible boss. Torments him six days a week, five days a week. God says, you know what? Bless your enemy. Yeah. Lord, I don't want to bless him. Bless him. I'll give him a promotion and remove him out of your life. <laughs> bless him out of your life. <laughs> 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 no, I want revenge. She says, you want revenge? She will stay there until you retire. <laughs> hmm? And somebody worse will come. <laughs> so you don't know how God works. He says, bless, bless your enemies. Bless your enemies. Okay? And when you bless your enemies, you don't realize how things happen. This same enemy, sometimes what happens because the result of your prayer is he blessed and God takes him out of your life. He's gone. He's mm-hmm. <laughs> gone. Hallelujah. He's gone. He said, just bless them away. <laughs> Total perspective change. <laughs> I want peace, but leave me alone. <laughs> God says, bless them. I will bless them because you said I will Blessed. And suddenly you realize he comes and says, you know what? Okay, he comes and says, you know what? I'm, I'm, I've got a better offer. I'm going. Okay. And I was praying for you. <laughs> <laughs> I was praying for you. Hallelujah. You can actually say hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Why? Because I've been praying, Lord, bless my boss. 
bless my boss, you know, bless my boss. I mean, I've had all this kind of experience. I remember one wonderful man of God was there in the army. I've told this many years ago. He was a brigadier. He's a very senior officer in the army, very big. And he was not just a brigadier. He was brigadier A. There are A, Q, are all that. These are different branches in the army. Brigadier A means he's brigadier in charge of administration. It's a big guy. He posted. But the problem is above him there is a major A. And that major, major general A, he was say, from a particular state, Punjab, but they're nice people, but this man was a foul-mouthed person. Absolutely foul-mouthed person. You have, have no idea how hierarchy works in the army. In the army, he can abuse you, he can shout at you, scream at you, just take it, stand there and take it. But it's very humiliating when your other junior officers are all there and okay. So he used to always call me and say, James, yes, pray, pray, pray. Okay, so you want scripture, no? How to pray in a situation like that. So we say, bless him. When he opens his mouth, fill it with good things. Really, because when he opens his mouth, only bad things come. So mm-hmm. Lord, pray. I used to tell him, uncle, pray. When he opens his mouth, God fills him with good things and this thing and all. And then he would say, one file has gone to his office by mistake one page is missing or something just pray and say the lord you made seeing eyes blind blind eyes see lord let him know and it used to happen he wouldn't see that and things used to happen but i said you always react correctly whatever he does react correctly this thing you bless him this thing then what happened he's posted out now He's getting a bigger promotion and he is going to Wellington as in commandant of Wellington. Uncle is going. So you have this army, what is called dining in, dining out. Farewell, this thing. You wouldn't believe in the dining out of this man, this uncle, believer. The major general stood up and he spoke and he said, This man kept me from sinning. It's a completely different perspective. What you're hearing and the conviction that is happening in this man because this man refuses to react negatively and is every day blessing him. On that day, in front of all the officers and everybody of different faiths, the child is standing up and says, this so and so, because of his godly behavior, he often kept me from sinning. I had to restrain myself because he was such a godly man. Okay, so you have to believe what God says and do it. You have to believe and leave the results to God. Now, all those years or months or whatever, this man acted really like an enemy and he made his life miserable, humiliating. But everything was taken out in one minute. The day this man stood up and gave a testimony about this man, everything changed. Everything changed. But that is why you do these things by faith. Do things by, by faith. Because the Bible says don't bless them. Don't curse them. Bless them. Pray for them. What will you do? You will heap. Coals of yeah, fire. Put it up there. Put it up there. I want to know what happened. Romans chapter 40, 13. Like, eh? 13 huh? In so doing. In so doing. Okay. Go there. Got it? 1220, 12, 20, 19 to 20. That's what's there. Is there? No, no, that there's one, this calls. Yeah, it's there, it's there, it's there. Okay? Mm. Yes. Beloved, do not avenge yourself, 
rather give place neither give place to wrath for it is written vengeance is mine i will repay says the lord therefore if your enemy is hungry feed him if he is thirsty give him a drink for in so doing you will heap coals of fire on his head meaning if you meet him in that context that's what i said first you have to think all these things say all this doing becomes very easy when that context comes but primarily we are talking about bless them don't curse them forgive them and in the process what is happening what is that saying in so do you will heap coals of fire on his head what does that actually means conviction will start taking place his mind god will start convicting that person that's what he's talking about god will start convicting that person and you would you know because you chose to forgive and the person never asked for forgiveness you chose to forgive and you chose to bless and not to curse one day salvation will take place god will start convicting and you may never even meet that person but you don't realize spiritually you were the reason by which he or she got saved but when you reach heaven it is recorded in yours how did this person get to heaven wow. because he chose to forgive amen and it added into your rewards See, God will never tell you to say anything which does not have spiritual power. Mm-hmm. Spiritual power, and you do not understand the power of salvation. Go, go, go to the book of Philemon. It's a small little letter of Paul, tiny letter of Philemon. Philemon, Philemon. 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 Okay. Got it? Go to this is this is about this is about a runaway slave, and he's saying I'm sending it back and forgive him. Then he says something. Go to Philemon, only one chapter, okay? Verse nine, uh, verse eighteen and nineteen. If he has wronged you or owes anything, put that on my account. I, Paul, am writing with my own hand. I will repay, not to mention to you that you owe me even your own self. Besides, people don't understand this concept. Let us say I brought Richie to the Lord. He owes his life to me. See, Doctor Pai, I told about right. Woke heart back today. After that, I. came back to calcutta we visited him we bought gifts for him and his daughters and all why were we offering it because, because owe i owed my life to him mm-hmm. a temporal life do you know the channel god uses to save you in so many ways you owe your life to him yeah. you owe your life to him if that person was not faithful it's not faithful and we are not talking about a temporal life we are talking about eternal life you are not the one who saved him but you were the channel the faithful vessel that god used so finally saying to you know, to do this do this you no know, forgive him receive as a brother or this thing he says okay and if he stole something put it on my account i will repay back and then he tells him one thing you know what don't forget you owe me your life 
Okay, so understand these things. You pray for your enemy, you bless your enemy, and he is convicted or she is convicted, and the person gets saved. You never even meet him or her in this life. Then you reach heaven. And one of the first person is to greet you is this person, and the person comes and says, Thank you, I owe you my life. Because now I am here, I can see the Lord is showing me. I reached here, I was convicted, but you were always blessing me. While I was cursing you there, you were blessing me here. That's what I'm saying. Everything you have to see in the context of the word and the spirit. What actually is happening? What actually happened? That's why I said, no. Like I was telling, you know, the word of God is truth. But the truth is not going to do anything to you unless you receive it by faith. I cannot understand the truth. But I receive it by faith and I practice it. I practice it because it is true. But the truth has to be received by faith. Okay. Truth is both. What does it mean God is truth? Meaning the way he thinks, the way he speaks, the way he does is always true. It's always true. But I don't understand truth. But I receive it by faith. I don't fully understand truth. Certain parts I understand, certain parts I don't. But I receive it by faith. Okay. So when God talks about forgiveness, and you read about forgiveness, so many things about forgiveness, I don't understand how all those things are working on the other side, how it will work out. But I receive it by faith because it is true. I receive it by faith. And when you, if you go to uh, Mark chapter 11 and verse 23, 24, and then 25, 11. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart and believe that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Then he says, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. No, no, whatever people take it and run away with it. You need to realize when this word, whatever, you have to apply scripture. The scripture is qualified within the will of God for you. Whatever is the will of God for you, when you pray, you believe, you ask, you will receive it. And then he says in verse 25, And whenever you stand praying, if you have anything against anyone, forgive him. This is a fundamental block, he says, in receiving. Even what is in the will of God for you is unforgiveness. This is another motivation why you should forgive. You have something. Okay, let us say, okay, you are sick. You are sick, really, really sick. What you want is healing. What is blocking your healing is unforgiveness. You refuse to forgive somebody. I'm telling you, because when you are pastors, you run into these situations. I'm in the in the ICU of a hospital, meeting a person of a particular gender. I don't want to mention that somebody is hearing. Okay. It's a lady. She's dying. She's dying. And I've gone there to give her. Actually, I didn't know. Final communion. I went there, gave communion. A few days later, the person passed away. The problem is, before giving communion, I'm trying to tell, no, sister, your condition is not good. Let go. Let go. Because I know the history. I said, let go. And she says, it's very difficult to forgive him. Now, this is something that had happened 30 years earlier. 
Now both husband and wife is dead, so it's okay. All of them are dead and gone. You are sick. You are in such a terrible situation. And you are still holding something 30 years back. Now you are not going to get healed. You are at the last stages. At least forgive and let go. Go in peace. Okay, go in peace. That is why it is good to learn to forgive when something happens very fast. Mm-hmm. You don't let it, don't like Akhirofal, don't let it go. That's why, you know, what happens is unforgiveness leads to bitterness. The book of Hebrews talks about bitterness takes its root. It starts defiling. Many people go there. Hebrews Hebrew chapter 12, huh? verse 11. Okay. Any root of bitterness okay. spring up. Okay, it talks about uh, 15, 15, 15, 12, 15, okay. Looking carefully, lest anyone fall short of the grace of God. Lest any root of bitterness bringing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. Grace is there. You fell short of grace. Why? To receive grace, you have to receive mercy. But you refuse to be merciful. You see, in the, all the Beatitudes, there's only one that is put, blessed are the merciful, they shall obtain mercy. Mm-hmm. You refuse to be, be merciful. So you are not able to receive mercy. So you have fallen short of the grace for that situation. Yes. You're not talking about, uh, see, all these are not talk, talk to unbelievers. They're all talk to unbelievers. So let us say you are a forgiven. But then something happens subsequently and you are re- refusing to let go. So now you are falling short of the grace. What you, re- what you re- require is healing. Or what you require is the grace of a breakthrough. What you require is the grace of a promotion. These are all graces of God. He came with the fullness of grace and out of that grace we received blessing upon blessing upon. These are all manifold grace of God. But the problem is you are falling short of the grace because you refuse to forgive. The grace is there. He came full of grace. But you refuse to forgive. And at your time, you need something where you are falling short of the grace. Because you refuse to forgive. And the problem is not only receive to forgive, it is so deep-rooted, you have become bitter. And then the problem is that because you are so bitter, let us say a situation, I am so bitter. And I am lying in the hospital. So bitter. Anybody who comes to me, I am defiling them by speaking ill about that person. So you have defiled. Many have become defiled. Causing trouble. Now you are causing trouble. And you are defiling. Because of that bitterness, you know, when, if you have ever learned to butcher a chicken on your own, you will realize you are very careful when you open it up because it's that small little thing that has to be taken out without breaking. If it breaks, you can throw the chicken out. The whole thing becomes bitter. Okay, that's your that, in the, that bile, yeah. that gallbladder, whatever that from where that, but the whole thing becomes bitter. Okay, and that's why you have to be very, very careful, very, very careful, mm-hmm. because what happens is, you no, know, if you do not forgive, you become a very bitter person, <laughs> bitter person. Mm-hmm. And you know what? The grace of God is there, and I always say about the example, the perfect example in the Bible is the example of Naomi. There was famine. They went to Moab. They didn't inquire or anything. 
sons get married then husband dies sons have no children then the sons die naomi is a very bitter person now i don't know who she is bitter with other than with god i have i have my own conclusion because we understand families now i think she is very bitter with her husband is dead and gone she is very now she husband is gone so she is bitter with god you know, my husband is gone my children is gone i am sonless i am no grandchildren nothing miserable life bitter bitter and the funny thing is that in her bitterness she is actually defiling her daughters in law no faith nothing no testimony go back to your gods maybe you will find husband there go back that's what all she say thank god for ruth she clung to her but remember because of her bitterness one is lost permanently hmm. or if is gone she never comes back she is gone but ruth is the one who clings and when he comes over over the people are excited she says don't call me naomi which means pleasant call me mara which means bit the manifold grace of god has come over there and he wants to redeem her give her a new hope and a future but he cannot redeem her because she is so bitter we don't know what she is bitter about we don't know who all she is not willing to forgive but she's in a head she no understands everything she knows it all so all she is able to but thank god she has a daughter in law who is not bitter mm-hmm. and is very obedient and submissive so her counsel is like ahitophel but she is like ahitophel <laughs> if you look at her counsel every counsel she gives is correct Mm-hmm. It's like a hit of it. Gives perfect or a bitter man, bitter man. Okay, but thank God the counsel is. But if you look at it, God has come there to save. The question is, can He save Naomi? No. Can He redeem Naomi? No. So He redeems Ruth, and then through Ruth He changes Naomi's life. Okay, this is why God says forgive. if we only understood the long term disastrous consequences of harboring unforgiveness we really really so we won't understand it all unless you are taught of different lives and different this thing but you don't have to wait for that god said it i will take it because god only speaks the truth only speaks the truth I don't have to do an experimentation on why what with because it is God I will take it and I will choose to forgive. <clears throat> I will choose to forgive. You know what? When you choose to forgive what happens is the grace of God. Look at that. That proportion in Hebrews chapter no no not oh, sorry not Hebrews Mark 11 no we said look at 23 look at 23 and then 25 no assuredly say to you who were says to this mountain so you are facing a mountain mm-hmm. you are not facing a molehill in your life you have a mountain you have tried everything and god says it's not by might not by your strength it's by my spirit this mountain shall be moved but for the spirit to move that mountain you first listen to what the spirit is saying he says forgive I can move this mountain. But before I can move the mountain, can you forgive? Can you let go? That is why the Bible says do not let the sun go down on your wrath. 
and do not give place to the devil. You give the enemy a hold. And that is why forgiveness is so, so important. That It is not got to do with him, but emotions will change. Honestly, I am telling you, anybody with whom you are mad or angry or something, the first thing you have to do is act of will, speak it out and say, I choose to forgive. Choose to forgive. Second thing you have to realize, Lord, help me to be compassionate. Compassionate. I'm telling you how it happens with me. I mean, I'm talking about it doesn't have to happen with you, this thing, okay? Because you have something called a memory bank. Memory bank, okay? Anybody, I'm talking about who has harmed me and have struggled with it. I choose to forgive. I choose to speak it out. And then I said, Lord, I also want it. Compassion is to feel sorry for them. Is that, you know, from my memory back, God will show me a picture of that person in the most vulnerable moment. When you see that picture, all you will feel is compassion. And I'm telling you from experience, so many people, the only picture I have all of them in my mind is that vulnerable moment. And that keeps me compassionate. Okay, let us say you have an enemy or you don't have an enemy. The person is your enemy and the person does you something. I'm just giving you an example. Not that, okay, say, And then you see this person, let us say, had a bike accident and lying on the road. When you see that person, you feel sorry, right? And that may be the only picture you will be left in your mind. Or in the ICU with the tubes all going through that. All you feel is compassion. All you feel this. So you know what? God also helps you with all these things. This picture. You know why? Because this is the most important thing in the kingdom of God. Why are we saved? Because God showed mercy. Why did he show mercy? Because his son went up on the cross. And what is the son's first prayer on the cross? Father, forgive them. Why did he say forgive them? Because Father, they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. And if you know what he went through and what he's saying, yeah. what he went through and what he's saying, and God says, you know what, that's why he says forgive. And if you don't forgive, we see so many. You want a mountain to be moved in your life. There are these huge mountains. And nothing can move that mountain. You can speak to that mountain, but it's my spirit who moves the mountain. If my spirit has to move when you speak, you need to remove the block. Now the block is not outside, the block is inside. The mountain is outside, but the block is inside. What is the block? Forgive. That's where 25 comes. Whenever you stand praying. But this is all happening when you are praying, right? If you have anything against anyone, forgive him. That your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, your Father in heaven will not forgive your trespasses, and the mountain will remain there. Okay, it's a mountain. It's a man. It's a cripple. He's carried and brought over. It's a mountain. 
every day dependent upon somebody every day dependent upon somebody like we have a pastor's conference pastors come and then there is one pastor who comes in his vehicle he cannot come up he sits outside and he listens he cannot come out inside to eat we bring food for him so he's got an issue right it's a mountain it's a mountain it's a mountain that's how this man is brought over there it's a mountain this is looks at him and says son has sins are forgiven <laughs> The sins are forgiven. Become a man and go. You suddenly realize there was something there that had blocked him. What is, what is, what is he receiving? He's receiving forgiveness. And God says, if you personalize it, sometimes your unforgiveness is the one that is not allowing your mountain to move. Your mountain to move. So look at it that way. Look at it that way. Look at it that way. Because you need to realize, because redemption came to us free. It was not free for God. It was not free for God. It came at a huge, huge price. So like they say in English, unforgiveness is a poison you drink to kill somebody else. <laughs> hmm. That's how it works. Yes, Pastor Vijay? We'll close it. Yeah, two questions we took today. Okay, we'll close it there today. But no, we looked at two things, right, today? Healing. Yes, you can open doors to tormentors. You are tormented, tormented, tormented. And the torment, the problem is that, I mean, I'm telling you, how you will get tormented is this. The thing is that you don't forgive and your enemy actually starts prospering. Too much. <laughs> We're tormented more. You're tormented even more. <laughs> even more. Enemy is prospering, not because you're blessing, but because you're cursing. <laughs> the enemy's enemy, your other enemy starts prospering him. Think about it. That's exactly what Proverbs says. <laughs> when you are, I mean, don't uh, rejoice when your enemy is struggling, because if you start rejoicing more, you'll start, God will prosper him more. <laughs> Let me ask you this question. David took Bethsheba. All that thing happened. Ahitophel is mad. Ahitophel has no idea. David is gone, made peace with God and everything. Now Bethsheba has Solomon. David is prospering, more bigger crowns and bigger crowns and bigger crowns, building all his victories. The country is prospering. Ahitophel is getting madder and madder and madder and madder. He's tormented, tormented. He's wishing death on his enemy. Enemy is prospering. On the other hand, if he had forgiven, he would have been able to rejoice with David. Now he has to pretend he's rejoicing. He's not able to really rejoice. <laughs> That's what you know. Because you will be, even other than that, God will allow, God will allow, He will take the hand of protection away. Allow the hand of, and you will be tormented. You will be tormented. You will be tormented. God will allow you to be tormented. That's what is written. Okay. Allow you to be tormented. And that torment at least should bring an awakening you to go to God and say, Lord, why is this happening? He says, let go. Why am I tormented? God says, because you are not forgiven. It's an open door for the enemy to come in and come out of your life. Okay? Just forgive. Let go and close the door. The enemy with the tormentors will not be able to come because Jesus specifically uses the word tormentors in Matthew. Yes. About unforgiveness. You'll be handed over to the, the tormentors. tormentors until the, the last. last. 
from finally the torment will be so much you will forgive that person with your heart, with the whole heart with all your mind with all your soul and all your strength and torment is gone what is it will happen it will happen i will do and that is david hallelujah that is david david is not tormented because he forgives mm-hmm. he forgives no he always forgives his enemies Okay, forgives his enemy. So you will see, he doesn't go through torment. He is tormented by God because he doesn't go to God. <laughs> as soon as he goes to God, everything is put right. Until he goes to God, he is tormented. He says, I'm not able to sleep, my bones are wasting away, my pillow is soaked in. God says, just come. And because Saul is a tormented person, King Saul is a torment and he goes through bad to worse. Bad to worse. Where did he begin and then where did he end? And if you look at the core of it, he that he was in a very unforgiving person. And for no cause, absolutely no cause. He was disobedient, yes, but even after that, he could have put it right. He couldn't have got his kingdom back, but he could have ended up well. Ended up well. But he, he was so unforgiving towards David. And he wanted to kill him. That happened. That also has got to do with sometimes unforgiving. Sometimes, you know what happens is that one of the reasons these things happen is that you don't take responsibility. See, it takes two hands to clap, okay? It's usually, very rarely is one person fully innocent. Can have not saying it is not. In Jesus' case, he was fully innocent. Paul's case, at all times, he was innocent. Not always. Sometimes I think it might have been a little rude also. His older legal nature, no? So that's why we learn to be kind and all. Because this is all learning process, learning curve. He's always, he was always very zealous. He was, did not have wisdom. Then later he got wisdom and he had zeal also. But Jesus' case, he never harmed anybody. So sometimes what happens is that we do not take responsibility. Okay, that's happened with the fall. Adam blamed the woman, the woman blamed the snake. So, you know, when we don't take responsibility for our own action, and we get mad at the other person. Now, God is not saying, all God, all God is saying is that, can you take responsibility for your part of the action? Your part of the action first, can you take? When you take your part of the, the responsibility for your part of that, you know what? It becomes easier now to handle the other person's part. <clears throat> if you don't do one, you won't be able to do two. But Lord, wherever I have gone wrong in this whole thing, Lord, I seek your forgiveness. Okay. I seek your forgiveness. Okay. And if it is a relationship and if you feel that you have harmed, other person is upset because of you, you know, Jesus says when you're bringing your sacrifice offering, leave it over there. If you know your brother has something against you, just go make your peace and come back so that I can receive your offering. Otherwise, I will not receive your offering. That's what he basically is saying in both cases. Either you have wronged or the other person has wronged. If the other person has wronged, you forgive. But if you feel you have wronged, the other person is holding something in your heart, if you feel that, you go and say, if I harmed you in any way, would you please forgive me? Because the whole thing is that, what do you want? Don't you want an answer to your prayer? Don't you want this mountain to be removed? 
Because you are going to God. You want God to answer, receive something from you and get something from God. But says, you know, what is blocking you is unforgiveness, either from your side or the other side. He says, would you just forgive, let go, so that I can, can clean your will, I can answer your prayers. And that's where the enemy traps you. Enemy traps you. And that's where we should not get trapped. And we have to make a choice every day to open our mouth and say, Lord, I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. I choose to forgive. The more you say it, you know what? The feelings will start following. You will start sorry. You will start compassionate. Start compassionate. And you will see. And then if you run into that person, run into that person someday, somewhere, all you will feel is compassion. You won't feel anything in your heart. Yes, we shall close there. Yes, actually, interesting in Philemon, when you mentioned about Philemon, mm. in that case, uh, this, you can see the spirit of Christ in Paul. Paul says, if he has done anything wrong, I will pay it. He's not condoning, he's not taking away the mm. account of sin. He says, well, I'm going to pay it. Pay it. And on this side, he's saying, you know what? You, you owe me your life. <laughs> so in the middle is literally <laughs> the spirit of Christ. So you can see the gospel literally emanating yeah, yeah. from his life. But you remember, he was not like that in the beginning. Mm. It's all a growing process. And by the he becomes so Christ-like towards the end of his life. In the beginning, remember, he fought with Barnabas and everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying who was right and who are wrong. Maybe both sides were wrong. But the fact was that Paul was not the Paul we see always, even after salvation. Okay, nobody overnight becomes Christ-like. It's a process. But the biggest stumbling block of becoming Christ-like is unforgiveness. Hmm. In the spiritual realm, there is no bigger stumbling block other than being unforgiveness. And that is something Jesus will bring over and over and over again. It's when I ask people, David committed adultery. David committed murder. He lied. He deceived. Right? Yeah. Ahitophel did none of this. David is in heaven. Ahitophel is in hell. How do you reconcile? Mm. How do you reconcile these two? And what was Ahitophel's problem? Unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm assuming Ahitophel is in hell because he committed suicide too. So he was pushed across the brink, across the brink by the enemy. So that is what I'm saying. You will, you cannot judge based on what is right and wrong. You have to judge on what God has said. That mm. is the truth. Because you don't know what is right and wrong. I have told this example earlier. Hamlet's father has been killed by Hamlet's uncle. And Hamlet's uncle is the king now. But he does not know his uncle had killed his father. But he sees the ghost of his father who tells him that his uncle put poison in his ear or whatever and killed him. And his uncle has married his mother. So Hamlet says, how can I believe a ghost? But I have to get the real culprit. So he invites the king and his mother, the queen and all for a play. He gets a drama troupe and tells them a story which they have to act out, which is exactly the scene which his father was killed. And he's standing in the shadows and he's watching the king and the queen, which is his uncle and his mother. He's watching it all there. And when this scene comes, his uncle gets up and he runs from there. So he knows now it is true. Now the thing is that his uncle 
is um, behind a curtain crying out to the God for mercy. And Hamlet has come from behind to kill him. And he says, if I kill him, he'll go to heaven. I won't kill him now. I want him in hell. I want him in hell. <laughs> wow, self-righteousness, boy. <laughs> I don't know. I w- I'm not going to get him now. I will wait until he's in back to his old state. And then I will kill him so that he will go. So if you look at that point, here is the murderer and here is the king's, actual king's son. At that point, this guy is righteous, this guy is unrighteous. Ultimately, at the end of the story, everybody is dead. Everybody kills everybody there. Okay, so you need to realize this is, this thing is always there. And God says, forgive, vengeance is mine. Vengeance is mine. Don't you dare sit on that seat. Don't sit. Don't you dare sit on that seat. Vengeance is mine. Forgive. We are not condoning anything that is evil or anything. But he says, leave it all that. Don't worry. There's a day. Even if somebody escapes the hand of law on earth, they will not escape it there. God says there is a day of judgment. Day of judgment. Okay, there's a day of judgment, but judgment will be made, and there's a day of vengeance also. Yes, yes. <laughs> for his enemies, it is a day of vengeance. But for his children, it's a day of judgment. At that time, you will regret, Lord, oh, you mean all this was mine, and I cannot have it? Will I never have it? God will say, no. Why? Because I told you to forgive, you didn't forgive. If only I knew. God said, yeah, I tried telling you. It's written over. <laughs> and during that 29th, 28th Q&A, Pastor James also told us, you still didn't listen. This was all for you. It's all for you. Forever and ever. But you can't have it. But you can't have it. Because on the day of judgment, he will say, this is for rewards. He will say that you did not forgive. Your husband, your wife, or who are your neighbor, who are your boss, whoever it is. I told you forgive, I told you forgive. You didn't understand why I kept on telling forgive because I had so much kept for you. You're going to lose your reward. Jesus forgave everybody and the Father raised him up to the highest place. Okay. And you read Timothy, Second Timothy Paul's final letter, you will see he forgives everybody. I don't hold it all of Asia, but I don't hold it. Nobody came for my defense. I don't hold it against anybody. The Lord himself has stood by me and strengthened me. He's forgiving you. It's not an easy thing for an old pastor to be abandoned by his entire congregation. Nobody searches for him except that Ephaphroditus, I think. Yeah, one man. Everybody is gone. Demas is gone. Nobody comes. Imagine you served your life out trying to save people, saved people, established, gave your entire life. And then when you are in prison, nobody bothers. When you are in court, nobody comes up. But he says, I'm forgiving everybody, forgiving everybody. Don't hold it against them. And he says, why is he able to always say the Lord is with me? Is because in his heart there is no unforgiveness. So he says, the Lord is near. Why is that people are not able to feel the pres- experience the presence of God? Because there is something that is in your heart that is stopping you from experiencing the presence of God. Though He is there, you are not able to experience. Why is it is written God was with Joseph in prison and in Potiphar's palace? Because you look into his heart, he is holding nothing against his brothers. Nothing against his brothers. Nothing against Mrs. Potiphar in the prison. Therefore, the Lord is with him. The Lord is with all of us. But to experientially experience His presence is a different thing. It's for that there are blocks. And these blocks are spiritual because God is a spirit. 
So there are so many sides of it. It's not a small question. It's a very, very important question. Very, very important question. My simple question is that, finally when you are in your deathbed and you are dying, who do you want beside you? God or the enemy tormenting you? Who do you want? How do you want your last days and hours to be? How do you want it to be? In peace. The Lord is with me. Bless everybody. And say, I'm going home or tormented. Tormented. Why? Because you heard so many times, let go, let go, let go, let go, let go. Now you have reached a time and you don't even have the strength or the willpower or anything to let go. This is where we have to be very, very careful. These are important things. Very, very major things. All the pictures are there in the Bible. Amen? Amen. We shall pray. Yes, God. Father, we just want to thank you once again for this day. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy, Lord. Your mercy. Father, you're teaching us, admonishing us, encouraging, exhorting us, Lord, to live and walk in forgiveness. Pray, Father, all of us will take it to heart, Lord, and we'll grow in our forgiveness. To that end, I pray that you would bless us, O Lord. The words that we have heard will become life. Thank you. Thank you once again for this day. God, even as we wind up this day and prepare ourselves for tomorrow, I pray, Lord Jesus, that you would be with us. Prepare us even for tomorrow to be found in your house and to receive from you. And prepare ourselves for your coming. We thank you. We praise you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.